Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Monica Drake, who's had three very different birth experiences. We're going to hone in on the third one, which included weeks of prodromal labor, no time for an epidural, and immediate postpartum interventions to baby that may not have been necessary and have required a lot of processing. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Casual Tree Maternity, offering a stylish and comfortable approach to maternity clothing without the price tag. Go to casualtree.com and use the code BIRTHFUL to save 20% on purchases of $20 or more. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Simply Breastfeeding, a prenatal breastfeeding course to help nursing parents feel confident with their newborns. Learn more at birthful.com slash simplybreastfeeding and use the code BIRTHFUL for 15% off. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Um, and thank you also for like telling people in the streets and all your friends. And I'm loving hearing how people find out about the podcast. So keep doing that. Keep sharing it. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors, which in today's case are Casual Tree Maternity and Simply Breastfeeding. Also, if you're around 30 weeks along in your pregnancy and looking to prepare for the first few weeks with your newborn and all the massive changes that are going to come with that, including changes to your identity, the important importance to honor your recovery, all of that good stuff, go to birthfulcourses.com to sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes and do it now before baby arrives so we can get you postpartum ready. All right. So my guest today is Monica Drake, who's got a whole lot to share. She's had three live births that have also brought lots of breastfeeding and challenges and, and triumphs. And I am super happy to have her here today to tell us all about it. So, all right, here we go. Welcome, Monica. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for wanting to share your stories. And you've got a variety of contrasting stories, two kind of similar. I do. <laughs> yeah. Before um, we get to the stories themselves, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Monica, and I am married to my husband, Ryan. Uh, we are high school sweethearts, so we've been together for uh, 17 years now and married for 12, and we have three children. They are currently, uh, Ethan is eight, Emma is six, and Colin is two. And we have a 12-year-old Yorkie who walks around on three legs, um, and we are just a crazy, busy young family. Yeah, and you recently, well, recently last year, almost a year ago, became a doula. I did. I did my training through uh, Dona International, here in Kansas City with an amazing trainer, Vanessa Flood. Um, she's trained quite a few doulas here in Kansas City, um, and she's just wonderful, and she's been a great mentor and um, person to have here. And we have an incredible uh, community of doulas here in Kansas City um, that really work together well and support each other, and it's just it's an awesome birth community to be, to be a part of. Mm, fantastic. So cool. Um, I'm, I'm like, I get excited for new doulas. <laughs> <laughs> It's been an amazing experience. It's been wonderful. I've had quite a few clients and more coming up. And 
just completely varied experiences for all of my clients. Um, I've been in two C-sections and I've been, I've supported planned epidurals and unmedicated births and just all sorts of different kinds of families. And it's been just amazing. Mm, so awesome. Um, but let's get to your own births. How, yes. yeah, how were, how was the first one? How was the second one? What were before? Yeah. What did you know about birth at that point and what were your wishes? Um, like, what was your approach? I knew very little about birth beyond my mom telling me about her own birth. And um, she had two unmedicated births, and then my little sisters are twins, so that was a cesarean section. But all she talked about was how fast her unmedicated births were, and they were easy, and I could do it. And I was 23 when I had my first, and I was like, no, I am having an epidural. Uh, so I went the complete opposite direction and, uh, because my husband's a tax accountant, we, uh, are, all of our children were born in the spring. It was terrible timing with his job and we just have really good timing like that. And, um, we didn't even do like a childbirth class. We had these DVDs that we watched, um, and probably not even very well because I just figured, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get an epidural and that's going to be that. So I had very little plan beyond get an epidural and have as little pain as possible and have a healthy baby at the end. Mm -hmm. And how'd it go? Wonderfully, actually. <laughs> it went very smoothly. My first two, I labored with them, um, active labor around that 12 to 15 hour mark and um, had the epidurals. And they went very smoothly. My first epidural I, my legs were dead to the world. I couldn't feel a thing. Um, couldn't feel when to push. Um, I did feel like I was having diarrhea. And I had told my husband, I said, if I poop on the table, you do not tell me. And he promised he wouldn't tell me. So, of course, we're getting towards the end um, with my oldest. And I was pretty sure I was having diarrhea everywhere under the sheet. And I was like, babe, can you lift up the sheet and please check and see if I'm, like, causing a problem here and he looks like he goes no no you're good and the nurse came in at that moment and I told her and she goes oh we need to check you and they checked me and she said oh that's a lot of hair you could put a bow in that and I was thinking oh my gosh I totally like shaved down there and then I realized <laughs> she was talking about the baby's head <laughs> and he came out with a full head of hair she was not lying but I was in that total like exhausted and just was not caught you know not constantly Comprehending everything at that moment. Um, so they actually had to tell me when to push because I couldn't feel anything. And they're telling me, you're pushing so great. And I'm thinking, you're lying. I can't feel anything. Um, and finally, they said, he was right there. And so I just pushed as hard as I could. I, I had no idea if I was supposed to push, but I just did. And out he came. He was he was my longest pushing, and it was like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I my babies just like slide out of me. Um, I'm very lucky <laughs> like that. Uh, and he, they put him up on my chest and he was gooey and purple. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you look like an alien, but he was the cutest alien ever. And, um, it, we, well, he, he's eight now. So it was like the whole golden hour wasn't really you know, a big thing. So my whole family was there while I was pushing. Cause I figured, Oh, we're going to push for a while. And out he came. So fairly quickly, they all came back in to say hello and see him, and um, they were only in there for 20 minutes, and then they all headed out, and then we had our time as a family, um, and then took him home, and were you know, first-time parents that weren't really sure what we were doing, and luckily, my mom basically moved in with us 
um, <laughs> during that time since Ryan was still in the middle of busy season. He was back at work very quickly. Um, so after the first two nights, he was actually sleeping in the guest room and my mom was sleeping with us and helping me out with the baby. Um, and I'll go into all of his breastfeeding stuff, um, a little bit later, but all three of mine, I had very different challenges with. Um, so I'll definitely talk about that uh, at the end. And then my, um, my second, my daughter, um, when my son was about 15 months, we decided that we were going to, um, we try for another baby and he had just weaned himself. And so it was perfect timing. And, um, very quickly, um, the first month that we tried, we got pregnant. And the day after I took that positive, that positive pregnancy test, I started bleeding and we had our first miscarriage and that was pretty rough. Um, but, um, I, because it was so early on, my, uh, HCG levels dropped very, very quickly. And my doctor said, if you want to go ahead and try again, you can go ahead and try again. Um, and so we did. They, the next month, um, I was actually charting using the Fertility Friend app, which I love and highly recommend. Um, it teaches you all about your cycle and what to watch for as far as um, your fertility signs, um, which for me at that point in time, I just needed to feel like I had some sort of control of the situation, which of course I didn't, but um, mentally I was like, okay, at least I know what's going on. And I was looking back at the chart the other day, I was curious, and I actually ovulated very early that cycle. Um, so there was 13 days from the time that I um, finished miscarrying until I was pregnant again. Wow, that was and, really back um, to back. Yeah, it really was. And luckily, that pregnancy went very smoothly. I had more nausea that time. I definitely had a lot of nausea with my first and then it increased with my second. And then by my third, it like took me off my feet. Um, which is kind of that all day nausea morning sickness, it's a total joke. They, <laughs> it's all day sickness. Um, and so had nausea, but generally a pretty good pregnancy. I did start seeing a chiropractor during my third trimester with that pregnancy. And that was just wonderful. I, I needed that. Um, I, my body was just hurting a lot more and you can't sleep as much when you're pregnant with your second. And uh, just that really helps the end go a lot more smoothly. I did have a little bit of swelling with that pregnancy, um, but not terrible. And decided that we were going to do an epidural again. It was the first uh, birth had gone so easy. We decided to just, you know, kind of repeat that same thing. Um, so we, I, uh, with that one, I, I definitely had more Braxton Hicks with her pregnancy. And um, the night that I went into labor, just that very early, like latent labor, you just can't really sleep and you're uncomfortable and you're kind of having contractions. Um, I was watching a lot of One Tree Hill that night, and there was a whole, like, uh, marathon on. Watched that all night, and then in the morning, my husband was getting ready to go for, to work. He came down in his business clothes, and he was like, all right, I'm heading off, and I was like, babe, I think I'm in labor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hadn't woken him up to tell him, because I figured, ah, this will probably fizzle out, and it never did. So, he's like, oh, okay. So, we called my mom, and she came over, and um, stayed with Ethan, uh, who had just turned two. Uh, he turned two March 17th. He's my St. Patrick's Day baby. And then Emma was born April 10th. So very, very close birthday. Um, and then my third is April 28th. So they're all within like a six week, um, time period. Yeah. You guys really so, like s 
you have that flow you have that rhythm to you (laughs) we do and I think God's like, it would be really funny to give you a newborn right in the middle of tax season. That'd be great. Let's do it so, three times. Yeah, yeah why not? It, it was always pretty funny. Um, and actually, my, um, so Ethan, my oldest, came at 38 weeks. And then Emma came at 37 weeks. Um, so they, they started coming a little bit earlier each time. Um, and then mom had had all of us early. Um, so uh, even though at 37 weeks, so I was still pretty surprised that I was actually in labor. Although with both pregnancies, I was dilated and effaced um, prior to going into labor. Um, so those Braxton Hicks contractions were definitely doing something, um, getting me ready. So each time I believe I was two centimeters at my doctor's appointment prior to going into labor. And then when I got to the hospital, I was like three to four centimeters with each one. So mm-hmm. definitely had that nice progress going ahead of time. Um so with her, we got to the hospital that morning, and we they had us walk. But because I was 37 weeks, they were a little bit more hesitant about keeping me because, um, you know, far enough along as they weren't going to stop anything, but it was still pretty early to be in um, active labor. So they just had us walk uh, for an hour and didn't see a whole lot of change, but I begged them to please keep me and let me walk again. So I did. And... Um, I remember walking on the halls and my husband still had his business clothes on. He didn't change before we left and he complained how bad his feet were hurting. And I just looked at him like, are you joking right now? Really? <laughs> so <laughs> Your feet are hurting, that. right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, but eventually I did keep progressing and so they went ahead and kept me. Um, and with my first, I was so, I mean, I was 38 weeks. So, I mean, I was very early to be feeling this, but I was so done in my head that when I got to the hospital, with Ethan, the oldest, and they said, well, what are your plans? I said, I want an epidural. They're like, okay, well, you can get it whenever. And I really wasn't in any pain yet. I just didn't want them to send me home. So I got the epidural right there. Um, it was like my guarantee that this baby was coming. Uh, so my, my views on <laughs> how I wanted to labor definitely changed between my first and my third. Um, and then with Emma, um, I was definitely in more active labor um, than I was with Ethan when I got the epidural, but I did request that. And things went very, very smoothly. Um, she was born about five hours later. I did not have any Pitocin with her. I did with Ethan. Um, but with Ethan, I, of course, I had the, the epidural and couldn't feel anything. So I, I never felt Pitocin contractions, luckily. Um, and then with Emma, no Pitocin. And um, that epidural was lighter. Um, I could still somewhat feel contractions, which I liked. Um, knowing that something was actually happening. And uh, when, it was, when it came time to push, um, I was having the shakes when I was starting to feel contractions again. So I had uh, Ryan call the nurse and I told her, I was like, I think this epidural is wearing off. I'm feeling everything. I remember being kind of over on my side, curled up like, holy cow, what's happening? Um, and so she was messing around, the nurse was messing around with the monitors and it felt like forever. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, would you please just fix this epidural? And my doctor came in and, um, cause I had been at seven centimeters only about a half hour before. And, uh, she kind of looked at me and looked at the nurse and said, I think we're going to check her. And so she checked me and said, Oh, you're ready to have a baby. And so they put the stirrups on and I, pushed a few times and she came out and that time though I did feel her um leave my body which was kind of cool to like feel that release um and they put her up on my chest and she was great she had great apgar scores 
and um, she took to nursing like a champ. She was my easiest nurser by far. Um, she just was a natural at it. She took to it, and I and I knew more what I was doing too. So there wasn't quite that steep learning curve for a second time mom. And uh, we had a a great hospital stay and took her home and. Um, I do remember when my oldest came to visit at the hospital, he really wanted nothing to do with me, which kind of hurt my feelings and was surprised that. And then um, I realized it was the hospital bed. He was not, he had never been in a hospital before and mommy was in this weird bed um, and realized that was kind of more the issue. So the next day um, when he came to visit, I was not in the hospital bed and he was fine. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting how those older babies um, process everything and um, just try to make it you know, easier on him. And then he, he took to, to myself um, a lot faster. Yeah. And then and he, the, oh, but he, the, you oh, know, the fact that you were picking up on him and, and mm -hmm. paying attention, like not just like, oh, you don't want to be with me because there's this other baby or whatever. It's like, oh, right. Different environment. So having that yeah. broad view is really, really cool. Um, Monica, let's take a break. We'll be right back with that third story. Finding maternity clothes that are comfortable, stylish, and affordable can be a challenge. But then a few expecting moms got together and said, challenge accepted and created casual tree maternity. The people at Casual True Maternity know what it's like to not want to compromise on style during your pregnancy and do take pride in offering hand-selected items that are fashionable, comfortable, and that won't break the bank. I, of course, went over to CasualTree.com to take a look and loved so much of what I saw. They have super cute yet dressy nursing tops, maxi and mini dresses, denim blouses and casual tops suitable for both work and play, and even gowns for maternity photo shoots. Nice and flowing and just uh, gorgeous. One of their best sellers is a maternity t-shirt that says, don't eat watermelon seeds, and that definitely made me laugh out loud. I immediately wanted to buy a bunch to give as gifts. Go check it out at casualtree.com and get something for yourself or your friends. Use the code BIRTHFUL on checkout to save 20% off all purchases over $20. That's casualtree.com. So C-A-S-U-A-L-T-R-E-E, -E, casualtree.com. And use code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your purchase of $20 or more. And we are back talking with Monica Drake about her birth stories and some breastfeeding stories are coming up too. So um, yeah. <laughs> how, so those two births were pretty straightforward, smooth. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the epidural, you liked it, pushing was easy, yep. babies came out great. What made you change the <laughs> idea of how you wanted to birth? Yes. So um, right after my daughter was born, my very best friend decided to become a birth photographer. And um, I started looking at her birth photography, and she was telling me all these stories about these amazing experiences that she had seen, all the varied experiences. And so when she was pregnant with her second, she asked me to be a part of her birth team. And it was an amazing experience. And I got to watch just this completely different side of birth, um, a completely different experience that I had had. Um, she decided she was going to have an unmedicated birth um, with a wonderful doula, uh, Stacy Lopez at Welcome Baby KC. And um, 
it was just so cool to watch this couple labor together to bring this baby Earthside. Um, with my first two, it was we got the epidural, we watched some movies, we slept a little bit, and we had a baby, um, which was great for us at the time. But it was just so cool seeing this other other way that birth could be. And so I decided right then and there um, in that room that I wanted to be a birth doula. That was what I wanted to do. And that if we had any more babies, that that was the experience that I wanted. So um, I got pregnant with our third um, about a year later. And um, I knew I wanted to be a doula, but I hadn't started pursuing anything. I was kind of looking at the different programs and deciding, you know, is online best or should I do an in-person training? Um, so I decided that I was going to go through Donut International and I wanted that hands-on training. That's just the kind of learner that I am. And, um, I started reading a lot of the books that, um, needed to be read and just kind of preparing myself in that way, um, for an unmedicated birth. And I also hired Stacy who had, um, been my friend's doula as well. Um, I really liked her style and I knew her and it was just kind of an easy fit. So, um, Preparing for that birth, I did a lot more, I said a lot more reading. I started listening to um, all the birth podcasts that are out there. Um, there are some amazing, amazing birth, podca- birth podcasts, including yours. That, yeah, um, share which ones you listen to. And also, and also books. Right. Go ahead and share. Yeah. Yeah. So um, books, um, The Birth Partner by Penny Simpkin is amazing. I recommend it to all of my clients. It was the first book that we had to read Um for our training and it's just full of such practical knowledge Um, and it also speaks to it's written specifically for partners and for birth support workers Um, but as a mom I really appreciated that perspective so I would I read through it and I highlighted like what I wanted my husband to read and then I gave it to him and then he highlighted like what he actually read and it was hilarious like what he was focusing in on and what I was focusing in on um so that I still have that that particular copy so that's my favorite to go back and look through and see like what he thought was um so important um so uh, the birth partner um I did Ina May's Guide to Childbirth I really liked that one um I just liked that that one was more stories um and just kind of you know just gave me different perspectives um than I had heard before and then as far as um uh, podcast go I love yours I also really like the birth hour um and then recently I started listening to the birth queen k-w-e-e-n-s and they are hilarious they are um <laughs> oh my gosh I I do have some of my clients like okay you know there's 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 some some cussing in there but it's not you know it's not over the top but they're really funny and they have great great and great practical information um so those are my my favorite three um that I listen to I also have a couple others that I listen to here and there but those three, uh, including yours, are my, my go-tos while well, I'm doing dishes or, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So those are kind of what I was using to prepare for his birth. And then, of course, talking with my doula and um, her just bringing up lots of questions. We did not do a natural childbirth class, um, which had that third birth not been so fast, I may have been bummed that we didn't do. So I do always recommend to my, my clients to find a low intervention birth class um, to go attend with their partner um, or with a support person um, just to get uh, those hands-on tips before we have our prenatal appointment. That way they're not, you know, coming into a prenatal appointment with me completely, you know, shell-shocked as it can be, especially for first-time parents. Um, so I always recommend um, a low intervention birth class. 
um, for those wanting an unmedicated um, birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, did not take my own advice, but <laughs> I've grown after after each experience. Yeah, and so, you were you had been to birth. You had read. Yeah. You were in a different mental frame yeah. of already observing all that information through the how focused you were on on learning about birth. Yes, absolutely. Um, so with my third, we did not find out if we were having a boy or a girl. It was the first time we we didn't find out. Uh, we had one of each already, so it made that choice pretty easy. Um, figured we had clothes and everything already set. So, um, hired my doula. Um, my husband was not on board for an unmedicated birth and a doula initially. He figured we'd had two really easy uh, epidural births. Why in the world would I want to change things up now? And, you know, I just expressed I wanted to see what my body could do. It wasn't about proving anything to anybody. It wasn't about winning a birth award or getting a medal at the end of it. I definitely heard people, you know, give me those comments. Um, I just wanted to see what my body could do. I figured women have been doing this for millions of years and this is what I want to do. So um, there was a certain amount of like, I'm going to show you like after I had the negative comments, but um, it was just a little bit more push behind me to to do what I wanted to do. So um, with that pregnancy, uh, I was way more nauseous, um, just more uncomfortable Uh, In general, we were uh, selling and buying a house right at the very beginning of the pregnancy when I was super sick. Um, That pregnancy, even more than the first two, showed me the need for a really good community um, around you, Uh, family and friends and uh, people from our church and our community that just really pitched in to help help our family out when I was so sick. Um, So were you having... Sorry to interrupt, Beck. How was the nausea just super debilitating? Were you throwing up? Did you have to like go to the hospital to get hydrated? No. Okay. Luckily, I I never, I'm not a, I'm not a big puker. Um, When I was younger, so sorry, when I was younger, um, when I would throw up, I would pass out. And so I have a a really big fear of of vomiting. Um, So I, I only threw up a few times, but it was just that morning to night, just debilitating nausea. Um, weeks like six to nine were really bad. Um, but I'm pretty sure I caught a stomach bug of some sort during that point in time that was like on top of it. I like could not get off of the couch. My friends were taking my kids to and from school. I was pretty much, I discovered online grocery shopping at that point in time. It was the best thing ever. Um, just to keep our family going. So it was yeah, do what you need to do. Nausea. Yeah. yeah. I'm very lucky. I, I'm not, not a big uh, one to, to vomit a lot. No um, HG or anything like that. Just that really bad. Abe nausea. Um, and I, to fight, to fight that off with all three pregnancies, I ate way too many carbs. Um, bagels became my best friend. And I gained about 50 pounds with each of my pregnancies. Um, lost it each time. But that was, and even if you go back and you look at my medical records, um, I would lose about 15 pounds initially, and then I would gain it back, you know, after second trimester. And then I was always pregnant right during the holidays. And right around that time, I would, you know, gain like 14 pounds. Like every single pregnancy followed the exact same pattern. Mm. Um, So we just knew that that's what my body needed to do. And actually with my third, I was seeing a personal trainer and I trained until I was about 16 weeks along. And even still, I followed the exact same pattern um, with the first two. So my body just kind of 
repeated the same thing three times over. Yeah. And so yeah. let's let's fast forward to when you like how you knew you were in labor. But before we do that, let's yeah. take a break. Be back sure, with good. the story. All right. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code birthful when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back. So Monica, how did you know that you were in labor? Well, that was a catch-22. Um, so, recap, my oldest came at 38 weeks. My middle one came at 37 weeks. So, by 35 weeks, I was having a lot of rest and hips. Um, landed myself in the hospital once trying to chase our dogs down the street and going into lots of contractions. So, I was having uh, a lot of rest and hips contractions from about 35 weeks on. And given that my first two had come so you know earlier each time, um, we figured, okay, this baby might come by like 36 weeks. Um, but they had been, um, each were seven and a half pounds, um, so very average size babies, especially, well, actually quite large for, for when they were born. Um, so we figured, okay, if that happens at 36 weeks, that happens, well, you know, we should be fine. So um, when he ended up being my longest baked baby, he came at 38 and five. I had had weeks of prodromal labor, um, was contracting seven to 10 minutes apart for most of the day, and then would just go to bed exhausted. So finally, my doctor gave me hydroxyzine uh, for irritable uterus to help calm things down so I could actually get some rest and sleep. Uh, mentally, I was just done. I'm so thankful that I had my doula. Um, and I tell people doulas do a lot of their work prenatally. Um, she really talked me off the ledge multiple times. I was like, I'm so done. I can't do this. I'm going to be pregnant forever. Um, cause in, you know, in my head I was with him being my longest uh, pregnancy. So, um, going into labor, I, uh, at my 38 week appointment, um, I went to, to see my doctor and I was four centimeters and I was 80% effaced. And I told my doctor, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Can we, please, can you please induce me? She said, I cannot induce you until 39 weeks um, because you guys are both very, very healthy. Um, so we went ahead and scheduled my induction for the following week. And I think I was just able to mentally let go at that point and know that I'm not going to be pregnant forever and just was able to just let go um, because I had been trying all of the things to try to get this baby to come out. I even did castor oil. It was horrible. I don't ever recommend that. Like it makes me like burpy nauseous thinking about it. It was so bad. I've never been that ill. Um, I tell my clients, I was like, don't do that. <laughs> and it, it, it was bad. 
The tough part with castor oil is you don't know how it's unpredictable. You don't know. Some people yeah. love it. Some people work great. Some people doesn't do anything. Some people it's horrible. So it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, it is. Before you tell me a little bit more about the story, what you be, we don't often focus much on prodromal labor. And since you had so mm -hmm. many weeks of it, um, what were the things that helped you get through that? Um, first was my doula promising me that I was not going to be pregnant forever because I was like, this is going to, this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm never, I'm just, baby's never going to come out. So just that mental like reassurance. Um, I also did a lot of Epsom salt baths, um, and that really would help a lot. Finally, when we realized that I was not actually going into labor, uh, my doula told me, she said, as soon as these fraction hicks start, I want you to get into the bath or the shower and see what your body does. Because if it shuts that down pretty quickly, then we know that that's not labor. Because initially I thought, well, I'm just going to let myself keep contracting because I want this to get going. And I ended up being just tired and frustrated and so sore in my belly because, you know, your uterus is a muscle and it just keeps contracting and working. And um, I think I ended up a little bit dehydrated because of it too. So um, the Epsom salt baths or getting in the shower was wonderful. Um, and then I was seeing my chiropractor uh, at the end, like two to three times a week. Um, and that was just really, really helpful as well. Just knowing that I was keeping my body um, in top shape in order as far as alignment goes to let this baby come out. Um, and then just knowing that I finally, when I stopped trying all of the things to get labor going, um, and just letting go and realizing, you know what, my body knows what to do. I just need to get out of the way because I was so ready for this baby to come. I, I, I definitely think I was, you know, somewhat self-perpetuating it. Um, so just letting go and knowing that this baby was going to come out when, when he or she was ready um, and that I needed to stay out of the way of it, um, I think really helped as well finally. But it was a really tough couple of weeks. I was not a happy camper. Um, I told people I hated being pregnant. I was never doing this again, and I was so done. Um, and people just listened and um, just let me get that frustration out. So I, I think just that positive community, uh, Epsom salt bath, really good uh, chiropractic care was, was all very, very helpful. Mm. Yeah, so cool. Because it's one of those things that you can't really do anything about it. You just have to no. keep on, just ride the ride, basically. Yep, that, that is totally it. That's yeah. absolutely it. So then 38 weeks, uh, you got checked, you mm -hmm. had a scheduled induction for you know, or you yes. had scheduled an induction for 39 weeks, yes, the following week. Uh -huh. feeling better about that. What happened that week? I was so I did ask my um, doctor to strip my membrane for my 38 week appointment. And she said, well, I can't technically do that. But let's check you and we'll see what happens. Um, so I went home and was cramping some, um, but two days later, um, I was actually, actually, the funny thing is, is that night, um, and then, and then the next night I actually like finally slept, um, my body finally relaxed. I think like I said, just knowing that that induction was, you know, there if I needed it. And she told me, she said, Monica, if you get to, if you get to that morning and you decide you're okay and you want to keep going, you call us and we cancel it. No problem. Um, so I think just knowing that I had a, that little minute, a bit of control over how things were going to go, um, that it was my choice that if I wanted to go in that morning and get induced, um, I didn't have to, if I didn't want to, it let me just finally relax and rest. Um, so that was a Tuesday was that doctor's appointment. And then Thursday 
morning, I uh, dropped my son off at school uh, in kindergarten, and I dropped my daughter off at preschool. I saw some girlfriends. Um, one of my friends was a surrogate and just had her, ba- you know, her third surrogate baby a couple weeks before, so she was asking how I was doing. And I'm like, I'm actually doing really good this morning. I'm great. Um, I was like, I've got, I'm going to go home and get in the shower. I've got a chiropractor appointment. Um, looking forward to that. So we've got a good day coming up. And so I went home and I got in the shower and, um, oh, well, no, before I got in the shower, I had a really, a good bowel movement, um, which I really didn't think much of then. But looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that was a sign. Um, and started having a, just a little bit of pink discharge. Um, it's some mucus plug coming out, but I figured, ah, it's probably from the check a couple of days ago. It's not that big of a deal. Um, cause in my head I was going to be getting a boost the following week. So I had, you know, kind of given up on labor starting. Um, so I get in the shower and I'm shaving my legs and then all of a sudden I felt a pop and, uh, I looked down and my one leg was up on the stool and I kind of bend over as far as I could and I'm looking under and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think my water just broke, which had never happened the previous two times that my doctor always, um, artificially ruptured my membrane. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this is interesting. Although I did note that it was clear as it was going down the drain. And uh, I finished shaving. I mean, if one leg was shaved, you bet I was going to shave the other one if I had to go to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, that was happening. No sense so, in rushing out without doing that. Of course right? not. Yeah. But, well, I was, okay, even if it was my water that broke, it could still be 12 hours from now. Who knows? I completely failed to take into account that I was already four centimeters and 80% of face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, yeah, we got hours. I'm going to be fine. So I get out of the shower and I text my doula and I was like, okay, how do I know if I peed myself or if my water broke because I was in the shower? Um, she says, well, she's a ghost sit down on the toilet, you know, see if anything happens. Then you know, put a pad on, lay down, stand up a little bit later. So I did all that. Um, I had a little bit of trickling, but not a whole lot. Um, I mean, I had started having tons of discharge, you know, weeks before anyway. So um, I was like, it's increased a little bit, but not a whole lot right now. So she also said, uh, if it was your water breaking, more than likely you'll start having contractions you know, pretty soon. So I, I curled my hair, I was getting my makeup on and getting dressed and started having a little bit of cramping, but certainly not even like to like the Braxton Hicks were. Um, not even to that level, just very minimal, like period, like cramping. So I texted my best friend, our birth photographer and kind of let her know what was going on. I called my doctor and I let them know I thought my water had broken. They said, okay, well, you know, when, you know, when, uh, contractions get started, you know, come on in. Um, I said, okay. And called my husband and said, Hey, I think my water broke. Um, you don't need to rush home. I'm not having contractions yet, but you know, if you would come on home, that'd be great. So he got home about oh, about 45 minutes later because um, he had a 30-minute drive home. Actually, he literally was working like a mile from the hospital that we were heading to. So he drove all the way home, and then we turned around and drove back. Um, so he got home, and I was still just kind of mildly cramping. This was about an, oh, about an hour after my water had broken, minimal cramping, and um my doula had said, let me know when you're getting ready to leave for the hospital and I'll meet you there. So she hadn't heard from me in about an hour. And um, my husband got home and he came up behind me. And I think it was just that like oxytocin rush. 
he put his hands on my shoulder and started to like rub my shoulders. And then my first good contraction hit. And I remember leaning over the, the, the counter and I kind of stuck my butt out and I was like, get off me. Like, don't touch me. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Right? Like, like, I didn't say hello, nothing. It was get off me. So he's like, um, when was the last time you ate? I'm hypoglycemic. My blood sugar is generally very low. It was like 55 after my glucose test. Um, and so I said, I, I don't, I can't like, I can't even think. He's like, I'm going to go heat up some lunch. I'm like, sounds good. So I finished grabbing the last couple things I needed for my hospital bag um, and came walking down the stairs. And I'm pretty sure it was walking down the stairs that like threw me into like full blown labor. Um, I think he just needed, the baby just needed to descend a little bit more. Um, but I am actually staring at my stairs right now. I hit the bottom, or I got down to the bottom of the stairs and walked through the living room. And by the time I got to my kitchen, I had this huge contraction that about took me to my knees. And I remember just bending over the counter and putting my head against the granite, the cold granite and thinking, my gosh, this feels so good. And right about then my doula called and uh, asked if I was coming. And I, she listened to me finish that contraction and was like, you need to get in the car right now and start driving. I was like, okay. So I had, I had put on a dress. Um, so I didn't want, you know, I figured, oh, if I'm wearing pants, then they might get wet on the way to the hospital. So I grabbed the towel and stuck a towel under my bum and climbed into the car. I'm pretty sure I flashed most of my neighbors because I hiked my dress up because I didn't want to get it wet. I'm very practical that way. And uh, we drove the 25 minutes to the hospital, and I have never cursed that much or said the phrases that I was using in my entire life. It was extremely intense. It wasn't painful, um, but I remember holding on to the little handle above the window of the car and just trying to keep off of my bottom um, because the pressure was just so intense. And I was in complete denial. I just kept thinking, I'm going to get to the hospital, and as soon as I can walk around, I'm going to be fine. Like, I can handle this as soon as I get there. Um about five minutes into the car ride, I seriously considered throwing my phone out the window because we had our, we had had to let people know that they needed to go pick up the older kids um, uh, from school. So we were getting phone calls, of course, from other relatives. How are things going? And, of course, nobody had any idea that things were going so quickly. This was about um, an hour and a half after my water had broken uh, that we were on the way to the hospital. Um, so seriously considered throwing the phone out the window. Um, was cussing like a, a sailor um, and just praying that we were going to get to the hospital as fast as possible. About 10 minutes from the hospital, I uh, asked my husband, is there any way that we can speed up? And he said, I, I mean, he was going as fast as he could. But he's like, Monica, I'm really afraid we're going to get pulled over if we go any faster than this. And I'm like, okay. Um, what I did not tell him was that I was feeling like I needed to push this baby out. Um, and I don't think that I quite recognize that that was the feeling that I was having. I was just in such denial that, that things were going so quickly. And, uh, but now looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, that baby totally could have come out in the car, like really could have come out in the car. And so we got to the hospital and I remember vividly going over the speed bumps. There was construction going on and that was probably the worst part was going over those speed bumps. And um, 
we pulled up and the valet, uh, the valet was there and, uh, asked if I needed a wheelchair. Like I got out and had a giant contraction, you know, bent over and breathing through it. And, um, I had told Ryan as we were coming into the hospital, uh, parking lot, he said, do you want me to just leave the car? Do you want me to come? I said, no, 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 we've got time. It's fine. Just park the car and, and I'll wait, I'll wait there for you. Well, as soon as they asked if I wanted a wheelchair, I growled no at, at the valet um, because I didn't realize there was a wheelchair literally right there. Um, I thought they would have to go get it. And I just knew I needed to get up to labor and delivery because my doula was waiting there and I just needed to get to where this baby was going to come. So I said no to the wheelchair and I like ran waddled through the lobby to the elevator doors. And I remember thinking people are probably wondering what is going on with this woman running waddling across um, to labor and delivery plus at this point you're alone like doula's up i was yeah husband parking car car. yeah doula was upstairs waiting for me like she was right there and i was just like i just knew i had to get up there i remember trying to figure out which floor i was going to because i had forgotten what floor labor and delivery was on um, I remember my vision kind of going in and out a little bit, um, and got, finally got into the elevator and I remember, you know, put my head against the window. It was cold. I really liked that cold. Um, put my head against the window of the elevator and, you know, pressed the button and prayed it was the right one <laughs> and, uh, rode the elevator up. And as soon as the elevator doors were open, my doula was standing there. And I just remember thinking, thank you, Jesus. So I fell into her arms and like two steps out of the elevator and she could, she could, you know, she knew what was going on. She could tell I was still somewhat in denial. And, uh, she, my knees started to buckle and she said, don't do it. Do not go down. Do not go down. And I'm thinking, I can't, I can't control this. So I ended up right in front of the elevator in labor and delivery in the lobby on all fours and trying to not push this baby out right there. And so my doula had me doing horse lips. And, uh, like you, you can do this, you can do this. And luckily my husband, and she told me, do not push, do not push. And I'm thinking, how, how do you not push horse lifts? Horse lifts are a very, very good thing to not push. Um, I've used it with multiple of my clients now. And, um, so Ryan came up the elevator pretty quickly after that and saw what was going on. And my, my doula said, go get the nurses. So my husband ran to the labor and delivery desk and they said, we're coming. We saw her on the monitor. So they come running out with a, with a wheelchair. And they, they pull up beside me and say, let's get in the wheelchair. And I'm thinking, I can't, I can't do this. And she said, she, you know, she did the take charge routine with me. Monica, get up and get in the wheelchair as soon as this contraction is over. So as soon as she did, I climbed into that wheelchair and on my knees, uh, facing the back of the wheelchair and just holding on. And I, from the moment my, from the moment my knees hit the ground, uh, when I first got on the elevator, I closed my eyes and I did not open them again until the baby was born. Um, I was just so, I was just trying to stay internal and not freak out because um, I was really starting to panic a little bit in my head. So they ran us back to labor and delivery. Um, the hospital only had one room with a tub and I had made it very clear I wanted that room. And heaven knows they got me in that room with that tub. Um <laughs> at the very end of the hallway and apparently there were workers uh working on the roof right outside of the room and they 
we all came running in and apparently there were quite a few nurses running in behind us, although I didn't see it. And uh, my, my doula said that the workers pretty much flattened themselves against the wall and like shimmied out of the room <laughs> to stay out of the way, which I really wish I had seen. Um, but I did not. So we got to the bed and, uh, you know, Stacy, my, my doula, okay, Monica, get up on the bed. And I'm thinking, I can't do this. And, you know, she took charge again. Monica, get up on the bed as soon as this contraction's over. So I got up on the bed and I went on to hands and knees and uh, stuck my tush up in the air and my head was down in the pillows and I just held on, um, just trying to not let this baby come out. So, because uh, the, the nurses kept telling me, like, we need to wait for the doctor, we need to wait for the doctor. Um, knowing what I know now, I would have just had that baby. I would have just pushed him out. Um, the nurses can catch if they need to. <laughs> just a lot more paperwork for them. Um, but I held on, and apparently my doctor uh, was on was on the phone with labor and delivery while this was going on. They put her on hold to check what was going on, and by the time they came back on, they said she's had the baby. Um, so they actually had to get an ER doctor to come running up. Um, so he came running up and, um, as soon as he walked in the room, um, I pushed the baby out and out he came. And so he was born six minutes after we got to the hospital, uh, by my, oh, and my, my birth photographer, uh, right as we were running back to our room, got to the top of the elevator and she started running back. My Stacy yelled at her run. And so she ran. Um, so she was in the room with us too. So she actually did get pictures, um, uh, that I provided to you um, of me uh, in the last seconds of, of uh, trying to hold this baby in. And then she basically stuck her arms up above her head. She got up on top of the bench, um, stuck her arms up in the air and just started clicking, taking pictures. Um, and so if you look at the, I don't, don't think I sent this one, but there's pictures of like tons of people in the room um, and the ER doctor catching. And she also got a little bit of video of it, which is just priceless to me um, of him coming out and crying which kind of makes me a little bit teary thinking about it. Um, it was just so intense. It was very, like, there was no pain in any of this. It was just so intense. Oh, well, of course. I mean, yes. those six minutes, good six lord. Minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was, and there's pictures of the clock, like when we got in there and when, um, when he was born. So he was born... Um, Let's see, uh, two hours. My water broke at 10.15, and he was born at 12.17. Um, and my kids were still at school. And um, we, I, had, I had actually joked, I told a, a girlfriend of mine, um, Kendra, my birth photographer, um, I had told her, I said, you know, I don't want to be in labor so long that, you know, it's just this long, drawn-out labor, but I want time to enjoy it and, like, get that experience that I was wanting with my husband of slow dancing and him supporting me. That did not happen. I think deep down, I knew that it was going to go really fast. Um, I just never, you know, really was cognizant of that. Um, so after he was born, um, I, I was very happy with the way that everything went as far as his birth. I mean, it was intense and it was crazy, but it makes for a great story. Um, it was more what happened afterwards that I still, um, that I really had to work through before I started my dual work and still bugs, bugs me a little bit. Um, he was very large. He was 10 pounds, uh, and a half out, um, at 38 and five. So, um, with him being as large as he was for gestational age, they decided that they needed to do a blood sugar drop. 
So um, he was initially, after he came out, um, I flipped over from all fours. I finally saw the ER doctor's face that delivered my son. Um, oh, my husband said, it's a Colin to tell me that it was a boy. He told me that in my ear even before I flipped over. Um, so they, And I wanted to do the delayed cord clamping, but I think given that it was an ER doctor um, and not my doctor, um, they, he was not aware that I wanted delayed clamping. Um, although, actually, no, my husband did say she wants to delay cord clamp, and the nurse ignored him. That's right. They, they cut the cord, and I flipped over, and they put him on my chest briefly, um, and then very quickly took him away and um, weighed him and measured him and told us how big he is. There's a really funny picture of me with my face uh, when they told me he was 10 pounds. Just total shock, because the other two were seven and a half pounds. Um, but they checked his blood sugar and I can't remember the exact number. I believe it was 40, 45 or 48. So it was low, but not like super crazy low, especially now that I've seen some very low blood sugar babies. Um, they said that they needed to, um, take him down to the NICU, which I found out two weeks later from a friend that works in the NICU at, at a sister hospital, the hospital that I was at was not true um they could have absolutely done all the testing on my chest right there in my room um, but instead they took them down the NICU and um my doula stayed with me while my husband went with the baby I told him I wanted him to go and I'm very very thankful that we had my doula um because otherwise I would have like everybody was gone from the room it literally would have been me sitting in there by myself um if my doula had not been there and um, that's really hard to think about that, that a mom could have just been left alone in a hospital room like that. Mm. So um, my best friend, um, the, the birth photographer, uh, went down. She said, do you want me to go down there and take some pictures? And I said, yes. So she went down and took some pictures and, and brought them back to me so that I could, you know, really see my son for the first time in pictures. And... Um, he was, they had him on the warmer, on his belly. Um, he already had a pacifier in his mouth. Um, and I, my, my middle daughter um, had a dairy allergy. So I had detoxed from dairy about three weeks before he was born um, so that we could start at baseline and not, you know, have any, um, you know, hopefully any tummy issues like she did. So they told my husband, they said, well, with his blood sugar being where it is, we need to either um, do an NG tube and do formula. Or we need to um, start an IV and give him sugar water or something like that. And my husband told him he wanted what was less invasive for the baby. So he said, go ahead and do the formula. So in the picture, he's got an NG tube. They had already given him formula. And he had a pacifier and was laying on the warmer. Um, he had leads on, but they were not attached to any of the machines. Um at that point, this was, you know, just, you know, maybe 10 minutes after he had been born. Um, so I was in the moment, it was like, okay, they had to do formula. I get it. I wasn't happy about it, but you know, okay, this is what they needed to do. Later on, I found out that was not what needed to happen. He, he could have done all that testing on my chest. He could have nursed, um, even with, even with babies as low, I've, I've seen a 33 blood sugar and they still let that mom nurse. And, um, and then when blood sugar didn't come up, then they, you know, then they finger fed formula. Whereas 
my son was dropped an NG tube and formula, you know, within the first, you know, little bit of life and never even had a chance to nurse first. Um, and so that was really frustrating, kind of hard to work through. Mm. Um, why, you know, do and, you, and, why do you oh, think, yeah, why do you think that they whisked them away so quick? Like he was breathing um, fine and, and beautiful. Right. So I, I, I think it was just such, um, you know, we came rolling in so fast. It was the ER doctor that was there. It was not um, one of the OBs giving the orders as far as what to do. So I think, honestly, I think everybody was just overwhelmed. And it just became this emergency situation that was not an emergency. Um, I think just in their heads, they were in emergency mode. Um, and that was not not the case at all. So Plus, we were in a room that was... Um, at the very end of the hallway from NICU. And I um, I personally feel like that the NICU nurse just did not want to have to walk back and forth between my room and the NICU to do checks. Um, and, that, and that very, you know, this, you know, uh, uh, a mom trying to, you know, accept um, what was, you know, traumatic for me. Um, of course, there are way more traumatic things that happen um, with moms and in birth. But for me, that was, you know, the most traumatic thing that had ever happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was just a situation where um, they were all kind of on high alert. And that didn't necessarily need to be the case. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm definitely sorry that that went that way um, because, up until then, it had been so quick. And so yes. just, you know, super and, 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 you know, a little bit iron, ironic that you had been prodromaling for weeks. And then <laughs> suddenly in two hours, bang, he's yes, here. Baby. Right. Um, yeah. So how did it feel to you? I, I'm going to take your story and kind of split it into two parts. Sure. Um, and so the the actual fast precipitous birth. Mm-hmm. How did you feel with that experience? Did it feel like it was too much to take? Were you okay? Because sometimes those super fast yeah. births can be a bit traumatic, and it's almost mm-hmm. like if you try to tell anybody that that was traumatic, you get tossed aside because it's like, what are you complaining about? You had a really fast it birth, was so fast. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, you know, for me, I don't think that that portion of the birth was traumatic. Um, it, it was fast and it was crazy intense, but I kind of left feeling like a rock star and all the nurses were like, man, that was amazing. And so they were all very, very praising of that. Um, so that portion of itself, no, I, I, that portion I was okay with. Um, I was kind of sad that I didn't get to, um, you know, sort of labor, you know, in the way that I wanted to. Um, now, had I been wanting an epidural for that birth, it would have been very traumatic. I do have friends that have, you know, planned epidurals and then have these very fast precipitous births, and they they were very traumatic for them. Um, but I think this, given that I had wanted an unmedicated birth and I had my husband and my doula there right by me, I felt safe. Um, I felt supported and I felt safe. They were both right in my ear talking to me. I mean, I can remember hearing both of them in my, they were right by my ears talking to me the whole time. Um, so that part I was not traumatized by at all. Um, it was intense, but it wasn't, wasn't, um, bad. It was the after part that I had 
have more of the the harder feelings with. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if you found out that it was more of just mindset mm-hmm. and not stuff that was needed, and that energy kept, you know, that that intensity took over. And yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And really, and even in the first two weeks after his birth, I was completely fine with everything that happened because I was still under the impression that that is what needed to happen, that that was medically necessary. And then when I started researching and talking to other people and finding out that that is not necessary, that's when I started having more trouble with it, with looking back and realizing that I did not need to be separated from my baby. He did not need to be um you know, have an NG tube down his nose right away. Like none of that was necessary. So that, that was more difficult. Um, and I, and I do tell my clients, um, you know, the way that you're feeling about your birth right after birth, whether it's positive or negative, that can change. And, um, that as their doula, I'm there to listen to them, um, to talk through with them, um, as they need to process those feelings because processing a birth takes a long time. And, you know, even, you know, the impressions that we're left with from our birth last for years and years, and it really can affect the way that people parent. And I'm, and I'm just very, very glad that we had a, a great community around us that, uh, you know, reminded me that the decisions that we made in the moment um, were what were the best decisions that we could have made. Um, so I, I just, you know, I remind people that it takes a long time to process birth and, and that's okay mm. to do. And so you just mentioned how having that reassurance and support from your community was one of the things mm-hmm. that helped you process this. What other things have been helpful to process? And do you think you're like, where are you at right now with feelings towards this part of your birth? You know, I, um, it still makes me, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you can hear in my voice. I get a little bit choked up when I'm talking about it. Um, but I, because I'm a birth worker now, because I'm a doula, I have been able to kind of recategorize that in my head as, okay, this is an experience that I had. I'm, I'm not okay with the way that it went down, but the outcome was my baby was healthy and, you know, we were both, you know, doing well, but that doesn't mean that I can't use it as a learning experience. And, be able to pass it on to my clients or to friends when I talk about it, because the more that you tell your birth story, the more you process it and really truly telling that birth story over and over and over. And in particular, the after part um, is really what helped me to process through that. Uh, mm-hmm. In addition to my, you know, very supportive community. Um, but really as a doula, it's, it's really given me um, a true empathy for, uh, what my clients were going through, um, especially if things don't go the way that they expected, um, you know, however that may be, um, and to remind people that they can they can absolutely question medical staff as far as you know what's going on with their care. Does this need to happen? What are my alternatives? What are my risks? All this the whole brain acronym: um, benefits, risks, instinct, alternatives, um, and. Uh, saying no if you want to or, or um, what's next yeah what happens if yeah. we do nothing mm-hmm. yeah so that whole act it's really given me the ability to say you have you can absolutely ask these questions um and you know give people that um 
that ability to feel empowered um, and to be in charge of their care. Uh, because in that moment, I, I just was going along with it. Okay, this is what needs to happen. Whereas, you know, now I can remind, you know, you know, if parents are looking shell-shocked, I can, you know, I can very quietly say to the partner, you know, are you okay with going on? Do you have any questions? And then, and then the partner and the birthing person can talk about that. Um, yeah, so hold that. Good has come out of it for sure. Yeah, holding that space because in taking it down from that crazy rush of adrenaline emergency to wait, let's just take a breath here. Um, yeah, it, it was it was about five. It was, well, it was about five six hours later when my when my birth photographer friend sent us like a compilation of pictures that I was like, we had a baby. Like he was sitting on my chest the entire time. I'm talking to him. We're skin to skin in the NICU, and then back in the hospital room. And it still took about five hours to really hit me. Oh, my gosh, we have a baby. Mm. We have a third ba- another baby. So it, it took a while to, to process, even in the moment, that, you know, everything that had happened and, and that we had another child. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was so fast that you your mm-hmm. mind had, like, it, so for the birth, your brain really got out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it came back and it had to, like, whoa, catch up and what just happened yep. here? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, one of the, you're talking about brain reminded me, one of the things that I also like to tell my clients a lot is to ask the question, is there any reason why? And because that one makes people think and have to Mm -hmm. stop. So is there any reason why baby can't stay on my chest? Is there any reason why, you know, I can't get out of the, I have to get out of the tub? Is there any reason why? Um, exactly. Yeah. I like that. Did you happen to write your story into help process? You know, um, I was actually going through and writing down all three of my birth stories, preparing for for this. Um, and I had talked about it a lot, and I had um, I had to a degree, you know, emailed it to myself or to you know to friends that had asked for the story. But um, no, I had not. Uh, I had not sat down and like fully written out each of their birth stories um, until just a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. I find that so I did an episode on that with Jamie Flares. Um, she has a great I book. It. Yeah. And I it, what was interesting to me that brings a different dom- dimension in, in terms of processing is that when you're writing, you're not writing for an audience, you can just be writing for mm-hmm. you. And yep. uh, things that you might have not known you know, come out pouring, bring bringing mm-hmm. them to the consciousness from the unconscious. So I'm going to, I'm going to add that one to the links to the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. If people want to follow more. And Monica, we've been talking for over an hour. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's what a story. What a crazy, there is so much to it. I think we're going to have to <laughs> save the breastfeeding for some other day, maybe. Okay. Um, but no, thank you so much for for sharing this and all these aspects of like the prodromal and the precipitous and wow. Yeah, for a second there, I thought you were going to say you had the baby in front of the of the elevator. Oh, I I thought the baby was coming out in front of the elevator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have. Oh man, if anybody else had come up, that was not my husband or my do or my birth photographer at that moment. They would have been shocked. <laughs> yes, we have babies on this floor, literally. <laughs> yes. Right here. <laughs> yes. Are there any other resources or, or parting words you want to leave the mighty listeners with? Um, you know, I, I my biggest thing is hire or do less. 
uh, find one that, that matches you um, and or your partner um, that's a good fit. Um, I, I truly cannot cannot stress that more. Um, whatever kind of birth you're planning on having, um, a doula is a trained professional uh, guide through pregnancy um, and birth and postpartum. So I, I can't recommend that enough. Um, doulamatch.com is a great way to find doulas um, in Kansas City. Um, doulas of Greater Kansas City has a wonderful website. Um, let's see. I was going back into my notes, and I wanted to see if there was anything else that I wanted to do in my for my resources. Let me look really fast. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Birth partner Ina May. Oh, evidence based birth. Oh my word! Such amazing information. Um, truly evidence based information that you can go to. That's unbiased. Um, for just phenomenal resources. Um, I also really like Mama Natural. Um, they just came out with a new app, um, a new pregnancy, um, like week-to-week app that's been really fun. Uh, I signed up for one just so I could see what it was like, <laughs> so I could tell my clients if it was any good. And that's what really we do. <laughs> yeah. birth eating So I know. It's like, congratulations, you're eight weeks pregnant. Oh, yeah, I am. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are, those are my resources. Oh. That I would recommend. One last question. So, yeah, when you thought you were going to do, when you changed your mind from doing births, like how you had done the two first ones with epidurals, mm-hmm. and we're looking to have an unmedicated vaginal birth, and your husband yeah. was like, "Why would you do that?" and he wasn't mm-hmm. so much on board. How is he feeling after this whole experience? And did he, you know, become on board? Uh, well, yes. Yes and no. Um, he definitely is a believer in doulas. Um, I, he would not have supported me becoming one if he did not. Um, he jokes that uh, that was the easiest paycheck that my doula had ever gotten um, with how fast our labor was. But I remind him how much of her work she did prenatally <laughs> with me keeping me sane. Um, but I, I think for, for him, it was really processing through um, why he originally did not want to do that. And it was because he did not want his place taken as my birth partner. Um, and we had a meeting with my doula in which she ex- like, and truly explained her role and that her role, and this is how I see my role as a doula, is to, um, if you have a partner there, it's to support your partner to the best of their ability to support you. We're kind of um, the kickstand on a bicycle. Um, supporting the two wheels that are working together. Um, so I think once once he realized that uh, Ardula was there to um, help him um, to feel confident in supporting me, that he uh, decided that he was okay um, with having another person present in our birth space. Um, and that's how I you know how I explain my role to to my clients as well. Yeah, yeah, and. Frankly, like I don't do it alone. If I'm helping a, a single mom, I bring in a doula in training to work with me because it's a win-win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I did it once, and and you can't. You need more arms. You need somebody yeah. to focus on birthing person and somebody else to focus on the environment, especially when you're in transition and people are asking you questions and they need and mama needs your support. Mm-hmm. And no, <laughs> yeah, you need more yep, than one person. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, thank you so very much. This has been a delight. Thank you for having me.
Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're in the last few months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for what's to come, then go sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. Let's get you postpartum ready. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Casual Tree Maternity and Simply Breastfeeding. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors, and get discounts while you're at it. Go to casualtree.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your purchase of $20 or more. And go to birthful.com slash simplybreastfeeding and use the code BIRTHFUL for 15% off their breastfeeding class. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, The Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a network of podcasts focused on parents. Download the free Parents on Demand app for Apple and Android for easy on-the-go listening. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to a new birth professional to inform your intuition here at The Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>